You're listening to Hello Movies, a podcast for people who really love going to the movies. I'm your host, Lana Gay. Sit back and enjoy as director Olivia Wilde tells us what makes Booksmart so smart. I'll tell you about taking the plunge and going to the movies alone. We've got some fun Keanu Reeves trivia for you. And we'll talk to Tanner Zipchin about new movies that should be on your radar. But first, we get the inside scoop on the four-legged stars of the newest action thriller hitting theaters this week, John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. John Wick, excommunicado, is now in effect. You shouldn't be here. Nice suit. Good to see you, too. He's back. Keanu Reeves returns in John Wick 3, joined by Halle Berry, Lawrence Fishburne, Angelica Houston, and directed by Chad Stahelski. In case you need a refresher, here's Keanu with a 60-second wrap-up of everything that happened in the first two films. It starts when Yosef steals John Wick's car and kills his puppy, a gift from his dying wife. Not realizing that John Wick was a retired assassin known as... So Yosef's father, Vigo, puts out a hit on John. John finds refuge in the Continental Hotel, an assassin's safe haven. The manager, Winston, tells him where Yosef is. John goes in for the kill, but Yosef escapes. John is attacked on Continental grounds, a violation of hotel rules. John hunts and kills Yosef, and then Vigo. Then rescues a new pup back to retirement. In the next chapter, John tracks down his stolen car, and an assassin named Santino asks John to fulfill a blood oath, kill his sister, so he can take her seat at the high table. But she kills herself first. Her bodyguard vows revenge, and then Santino puts a hit on John. John murders Santino on hotel grounds, exiling him from the Continental. Whoops. Now you're ready for Chapter 3, Parabellum. One of my favorite things about John Wick, he loves dogs. It was the killing of his dog that triggered the events of the first movie, and the puppy he picked up at the end of the film is with him in the sequel as well as the new movie. As the dog coordinator on John Wick Chapter 3, Andrew Simpson knows all about dogs being a big part of these movies. He's worked with animals on a ton of TV shows and over 150 movies, including his work with bears in Super Troopers 2 and The Revenant. He also happens to be an expert on wolves. He even trained Jon Snow's dire wolf on Game of Thrones. We tracked him down on his ranch just north of Calgary. All of this for what? Because of a puppy? Wasn't just a puppy. Andrew, you've spent decades training animals, hundreds of films and television shows. How does training wolves for The Revenant and Game of Thrones compare with the work you did on John Wick Chapter 3? In all honesty, John Wick 3 was one of the hardest shows we've ever done. And we've done, I mean, a lot of tough stuff with wolves on, on Game of Thrones in China, in Russia, you know, all, all over the world. Now, what made it so challenging? We did a lot of attack stuff in, on John Wick 3. So a lot of times when you're doing that on a normal movie set, so to speak, it's one dog, one stunt guy, nothing in the middle. You release on action, dog hits him, takes him down. But with uh, John Wick 3, with long, continuous takes, we not only had one dog, we had two dogs working together all the time. And they were working side by side with Keanu and Hallie and all the stunt team and all the extras and all the craziness. It was uniquely challenging for us in a good way. You know, we got to do stuff that, that hasn't been done before. But also every night you go home from work, you just want to sleep because it's, uh, it's a lot of pressure. Uh, what was the toughest stunt you had to teach the dogs? We had one stunt guy we worked with a lot, a young guy named Bruce. And um, he's very acrobatic. He used to be a gymnast and he can throw himself in the air and do somersaults in the blink of an eye so 
we taught one of the dogs to run in and, and take him on the arm and then he throws his body a certain way and the dog throws its body a certain way and you get this acrobatic dance in uh in midair so to speak and it's uh it's pretty cool um you've never seen it before i guarantee that now okay so who are the john wick three dogs and, and what what are the roles they play in the movie john wick himself has his character dog the pitbull and uh, she was played by princess and cha-cha that was keanu's part and then we had Hallie's part or, or Sophia's part. She had two dogs with her all the time, two Belgian Malinois. And we had five dogs to play her two characters. I, I heard she was quite involved in the training process as well. Can you explain? Does she, is she actually almost a dog trainer herself at this point? Hallie was the best advantage we could ever have doing a movie like this because she understood dogs. She was so into dogs. She'd done a lot of training with her own dogs. We've you know, worked with actresses and actors in the, in the past. And a lot of times they don't want to share the limelight with a dog or they're not really into dogs, but they know they have to be for the part. But Hallie was 100% into it, you know, from the get-go. So what we did, um, I had my own team of trainers with me. We all were involved in the dogs to start with. I went and found them, scattered them, brought them to LA, and we started to train them at our, at our training facility. We looked at many different dogs. We looked at the German Shepherds, Rottweilers, Dobermans, but I'd done a show in, in China a, the year before with Belgian Malinois, and they're an exceptional dog. I mean, they're they're like little John Wicks on on four legs. They're very athletic. They're very agile. They're very focused. Very intelligent, and they're very acrobatic. We knew for the for the Malinois that we wanted two dogs to be with Hallie all the time. So we wanted them to be calm, friendly, but very handsome. You know, to look the the part on camera to match her. We had so much stunt stuff to do, so we looked for three high-action dogs that had a lot of agility, enthusiasm, motivation, if you want. I would say we probably looked at over 600 in total to try and find the ones we wanted. So interesting. Now, modesty aside, how much do the dogs steal the show? <laughs> the sequence with um, Halle Berry and, and Keanu and her dogs in Morocco, I'm, I'm sure is going to be is setting social media on fire once the movie comes out. We've seen John Wick 1 and 2, so we know Keanu is super talented, super skilled at everything he does. I mean, that guy works endlessly, hours and hours. He's super hardcore, and, and I've seen him. I've been side by side when I've seen him train, and I couldn't do half the shit he does. <laughs> but, Neither could I. Yeah, you got to be honest, right? When it comes to the sequence that everyone's going to see in Morocco, it's a good standalone sequence. Hallie and the dogs, I'm sure, are going to win that round because the action that we did on John Wick 3, I guarantee you, has never been seen before. And it's a testament to Chad because when we started this uh, journey together with the dogs at the start, you know, we, were, we both agreed animal safety is the, is the first priority. You'll see in a, in a couple of the, the promo clips, the dogs have these uh, bulletproof vests on. We had safety features built into all these vests. We had stunt pads built into the sets on the walls, on the ground, hidden under the sand. Every precaution that we could do to protect the dogs, you know, was taken. And there's a lot of directors who might looked at this and went, you know what, I'm going to do this a lot quicker, faster by using CG dogs. But that wasn't Chad's MO. You can tell by the way he shoots that. He's old school, he's practical, and he knows what the audience likes to see. Wow. And I'm so happy you touched on animal safety too. I feel like we're sometimes so focused on the impressiveness that is the dog's performance in doing all these stunts and doing all these incredible things that we kind of forget, much like humans, you have to take care of their bodies. Everything we would do is a baby step, baby step until everyone's comfortable. So there was a lot of time, effort, research and money put into the, the safety of both the dogs and, and the guys on this show. 
And before I go, because we have dogs at the office where I work, and I feel like I buy their affection with treats. <laughs> Does that work in the world of dog training? Like, what's the, is there like the sweet reward system? You know, you might take your dog to the park and throw a tennis ball. Mm-hmm. We take our tennis ball, basically, and stick it on the stuntman and go, go get it. <laughs> <laughs> and for them, and for them, that is a reward. They, they have that agility, that they have that drive. You know, that's their thing. Thank you so much for making the time for us. We appreciate it so much. I'm happy you took the time. It's uh, it's important to talk about the dogs. I, I truly know that everyone's going to watch this and go, holy crap. Sure, Keanu Reeves is great at playing a dog-loving assassin, but he's not just a handsome, ageless guy who knows how to ride horses and motorcycles and do martial arts and speak French, and play hockey. It turns out Keanu could give Tom Hanks a run for his money as the nicest actor in Hollywood. He's got a crazy reputation for being an all-round mensch. He's paid for crew breakfasts, bought motorcycles for his stunt teams, has a private foundation that gives money to children's hospitals and cancer research centers. Amazing! And of course, he's been in gajillions of movies, from culture-changing big box office draws to daring indie films. You know this. His movies include The Matrix Trilogy, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Point Break, Speed, My Own Private Idaho, River's Edge, and so many that Scotland just held KeanuCon, their first ever Keanu Reeves film festival. No way! Yes way! (laughs) For every movie he has been in, there's always another big one he almost did. Sometimes he turned down a role, sometimes another actor got it instead. So here comes the trivia. I'm going to list four movies. Three of them have roles Keanu was in the running for and either didn't get, it happens, or chose not to do it. One of them, well, we just made that one up. Can you guess which? Here are the titles. One, Titanic. Two, Platoon. Three, X-Men. Four, The Doors. Which movie was he not considered for a role in? We'll come back to this question in a bit and let you know. If you haven't heard about Booksmart yet, you're going to. The movie premiered at the South by Southwest Festival in March, and people have been raving about it ever since. The film tells the story of two best friends, Amy and Molly, who realize that they've spent all of their time in high school working their butts off and forgot to have any fun along the way. We haven't done anything. We haven't broken any rules. Okay. We've broken a lot of rules. One... We have fake IDs. Fake college IDs so we can get into their 24-hour library. Name one person whose life was so much better because they broke a couple of rules. Picasso. Yes, he broke art rules. Name a person who broke a real rule. Rosa Parks. Name another one. Susan B. Anthony. God damn it. The girls decide to crash the biggest party on the last night of high school. Their plan? Cram all the bad behavior they've missed into one very long night. The movie is directed by actor Olivia Wilde. Its main theme, about making a sudden left turn to take some risks, perfectly echoes Wilde's decision to move into directing from acting. I feel that I spent a lot of my childhood, my adolescence, feeling like I just want to become an actress. I just want to work. I want to be a working actress. It's all I want to do. And then I got there, and I kind of achieved that dream. And by the time I was 27, I was like, okay, I'm here. There's something else. There's something else I want to do. What is it? And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to be at the helm. I need to be behind the camera. 
Wilde's movie puts a spin on the teen comedy genre. It's not the usual story of guys partying or girls getting dates. It's about the smart girls finding out that everyone else was working just as hard as they were and living it up at the same time. Nobody knows that we are fun. We didn't party because we wanted to focus on school and get into good colleges. And it worked. But the irresponsible people who partied also got into those colleges. I'm incredible at hand jobs, but I also got a 1560 on the SATs. The girls crash a party or two and get arrested, along with other adventures. The movie's a raunchy comedy, sure, but Wilde says there's more to it than that. We started out with the idea of let's make something that's a, a generational anthem, something for this young generation to watch and rewatch and feel seen and feel like they've been accurately represented and to kind of make an homage to the movies I grew up on, which was all the John Hughes movies, everything from Breakfast Club to Dazed and Confused to Fast Times. Critics are talking about how funny the movie is, but Booksmart's also got some substance to it, like how the character Amy is gay. And it's completely normalized, which is pretty much unheard of in movies like this. It's also far from the usual fare about popular kids, jocks, and brainy outcasts. Molly and Amy need to learn that they've been stereotyping everyone else at school just as much as they've been stereotyped themselves. That's a message Olivia Wilde really wanted to drive home. I didn't fit into a category, and people wanted me to. I mean, I was definitely a theater nerd, but I also really love sports. So I was friends with all the athletes, but I love my teachers, and I love the nerds. And I, like, people were like, what are you? Pick a lane. And yet, like, why? Why must we pick a lane? We do that to ourselves, and it's just limiting. Katie Silberman, who did rewrites on the script, raved about Wilde's directing skills at the loud and rowdy South by Southwest premiere. It's extraordinary that this is her first movie. I mean, I know she's been on sets and been a producer and, and a creator in so many different ways, but she is the most talented director I could ever hope to work with. Beanie Feldstein, who plays Molly, felt the same way. There's no other person that could have directed this film because she is ridiculously smart. But then also is like this maternal nurturing human being, but also like packaged in the coolest way. Like she's the best taste in music and style and visuals. And I think um, her and our cinematographer just did the most amazing job of making it look so good. And our costume designer and hair and makeup, all of those department heads, she just communicated to them so beautifully. Even though there are more women directing movies than there used to be, the industry has a long way to go. Wilde has some encouraging words for others who are on their way up. This is really evidence of believing in your dreams. I mean, to not to sound overly earnest, but it's really true. It is all about commitment and really going for it. I mean, this was this is all of this is is evidence of what happens when you just kind of leap in and commit 100% and give your heart to something. You really can't fail in any real way if you give all of your heart to something. Time to answer our trivia question. Earlier in the podcast, we gave you a list of four movies. Keanu Reeves was up for a role in three of them. Do you know which one he never had anything to do with? Here's the list again. One, Titanic. Two, Platoon. Three, X-Men. And four, The Doors. We can eliminate The Doors. He was one of the actors considered to play Jim Morrison, but didn't get the part. And he admits he wasn't that surprised when it didn't happen. Also off the list, Platoon. He was offered the role that eventually went to Charlie Sheen, but he turned it down because he felt the movie was too violent. Yes, this was well before he started making the John Wick movies. What do you need? Guns. 
Lots of guns. Was it X-Men? Nope. Keanu really wanted to play Wolverine, and who can blame him? He said he even met with the director a few times, but he didn't feel he could really do the part justice, and the director clearly felt the same way. It's pretty hard to picture anyone other than Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, anyway. So that means it was Titanic. Other actors considered before Leonardo DiCaprio included Johnny Depp, Brad Pitt, Chris O'Donnell, and even Macaulay Culkin. But not ever, not even for a hot minute, Keanu Reeves. He's a busy guy lately anyway. He's a voice in Toy Story 4, plus there's a Bill and Ted sequel on the way. He's so busy that he turned down a part in Captain Marvel, Jude Law's character. But hey, he had to so he could make John Wick 3. While a big, loud action movie like John Wick is kind of the thing you'd probably like to see with friends, not every movie is. Have you ever gone to the movies by yourself? Until now, the only time I did was the first week I moved to Australia in university. I was completely jet-lagged. I didn't have any friends. So the last time I went to the movies alone, I was basically a solo zombie youth. Fast forward to this past weekend, I had just read near-perfect reviews of the new Aretha Franklin documentary, Amazing Grace, and thought, you know what? It starts in half an hour. I can make it. Why not? The movie does document two live gospel shows. It was a Sunday. I thought, gospel, take me to church, Aretha. As my friend Scott, who couldn't meet me in time, said, just go alone. You're not by yourself. You're with yourself. That also sounds like a really lame motivational poster and didn't make me feel any better. A quick Google search brought up 776 million results about why you should go to a movie alone. When I handed over the ticket to the usher to get in, I still did feel a bit awkward. It could have been the memory of my my younger self feeling a little lost with no friends on the other side of the world the last time I did this. Then I reminded myself, I'm a grown-up, so what's the deal? And I just fully let it go. Honestly, not having to share popcorn was pretty great, and the movie was really different than anything I'd seen in a while. I'm not sure if I paid attention more because I wasn't distracted by someone beside me, but I was really engrossed in it and did notice the small details and the sheer sounds in that hot church on those two nights. Aretha's voice is obviously incredible, and there were multiple moments when I had goosebumps. Right? Goosebumps. And the truth is, if you're anything like me, when you watch movies at home, you somehow end up multitasking or end up falling down the rabbit hole of your phone. So it was kind of great to shut the world out for a couple of hours. So this is twofold. Number one, Aretha Franklin was tremendous, but you already know that. And two, going to the movies alone. Pretty good, in case you don't know that. Tanner Zipchin, host of the Cineplex pre-show, is here. Now you see a lot of films. Do you go to the movies alone? I do. I, I think you you really experience a movie a lot differently by yourself. Less distractions. You're more focused. It's true, and you don't have to share your snacks. This is the other main reason I do it. Amazing. Well, alone or not, there are some new films people don't want to miss. And what's the buzz on The Sun is also a star. First of all, we've got Yara Shahidi from Blackish and uh, Charles Melton, you know him from Riverdale. And actually, they're both in Toronto recently for a bit of press for this movie. But people are, are loving this. It's this beautiful romantic story. And essentially, the concept is can you fall in love with somebody in a day? I think the answer is yes. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess the deal is with key questions you ask and conversations you have. 
you can maybe yeah fall, fall in love with someone else. But I mean, some people say it takes a lot longer. Some people don't believe in love at all. I mean, this is also based on the, on the book by the same name. So if you're really to you know ready to get a movie to hit you right in the feels, then check this one out. Noted. Uh, and a dog's journey. Speaking of hitting you in the feels, that's coming out, and it's a sequel to A Dog's Purpose. Whether you're a dog lover or even, you know, even the, I'm going to go as far as say even the cat lovers are going to love this movie too. You know, the sense of the purpose and the journey of this animal. And Dennis Quaid is in this movie as well and an, an amazing job. He Actually, at CinemaCon, he, he showed up on stage and brought his dog with him and they both presented together. I don't know if it was his dog or not. It, the dog I felt was way too well-trained to be his dog. Or maybe it, it is his dog and he's just like an animal trainer on the side. Do you remember the dog's name? I don't know. Okay. Quaid Jr., maybe. What else is on your radar? Uh, well, it's definitely got to be Longshot. You know, Charlize Theron, Seth Rogen. And this, Charlize plays Charlotte, who's running for office. And then Seth Rogen's a writer. He realizes that only was she his babysitter growing up, but uh, also his his childhood crush. And uh, yeah, Cute. these two got a really good dynamic, I got to say. Nice. Uh, I got to speak with the writers of Longshot, Liz Hanna and Dan Sterling. If you would like to hear the interview, it's actually on episode two of Hello Movies. Shout is a fat boy from nowhere. Get to be a soul man. Gotta kill the person you were born to be in order to become the person you want to be. I'm thinking of changing my name to Elton. I'm really excited about Rocket Man, which is coming out soon. Yeah, I think this is, uh, I think, going to blow a lot of people's minds. Because I think, well, first of all, people are expecting this Elton John story, which it is. But also, it's a lot more than that. It's kind of this fantastical movie where we suspend reality a little bit as we kind of go off into these these songs and as these songs kind of, like, capture us. So, yeah, be prepared to, A, sing along to all the Elton hits. But there's going to be some crazy choreography, some beautiful colors. And it's going to be, like, literally an entire, like, Elton John experience. I think that's the way an Elton John movie should be. Will you dress up for the screening? The question is, which Elton John do There's you so many. go as? Yeah. Classic, like, baseball uniform is, I mean, that's an easy one. You could go full feathers. Either way, some type of amazing glasses, I think, are, are a must. I'm so ready for it. I'm excited about it. We're talking about Rocket Man in the next podcast. So be sure to come back for that. You too, Tanner. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Sounds great. And that's a wrap. We'll have a new episode for you every two weeks. You can subscribe to Hello Movies for free wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you, post a review, or email us with comments or questions at hellomovies at cineplex.com. Hello Movies is brought to you by Cineplex Entertainment. Lori Elster is the writer of our podcast. Sarah Cooper is our producer. Ellie Gordon Marshall is our sound designer and mixer. Our series consultant is Jeff Ulster. And our executive producer is Catherine Jun. A special shout out to Tanner Zipchin. I'm Lana Gay. Thanks for checking out Hello Movies. <laughs>